Our first reading today is from the book of Hebrews. This book helped the early Jewish Christians to understand who Jesus was in light of their own tradition. They would have understood exactly what was meant when Jesus was referred to as our great high priest. You can refer to the meaning behind the message in the bulletin to get a better understanding of that. This morning's readings are from Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of the Bible, The Message, from Hebrews chapter 4. God means what he says. What he says goes. His powerful word is sharp as a surgeon's scalpel, cutting through everything, whether doubt or defense, laying us open to listen and obey. Nothing and no one is impervious to God's word. We can't get away from it, no matter what. Now that we know what we have, Jesus, this great high priest with ready access to God, let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through great weakness and testing, experiencing it all, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is ready, so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. Our second reading continues in the Gospel of Mark. For modern Americans, this is perhaps the most countercultural teaching of Jesus, to give away all we have. From Mark chapter 10. As he went out into the street, a man came running up, greeting, greeted him with great reverence, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to get eternal life? Jesus said, Why are you calling me good? No one is good, only God. You know the commandments. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie, don't cheat. Honor your father and mother. He said, Teacher, I have from my youth kept them all. Jesus looked him hard in the eye and loved him. He said, There's one thing left. Go sell whatever you own and give it to the poor. All your wealth will then be heavenly wealth, and come follow me. The man's face clouded over. This was the last thing he expected to hear, and he walked off with a heavy heart. He was holding on tight to a lot of things and not about to let go. Looking at his disciples, Jesus said, Do you have any idea how difficult it is for people who have it all to enter God's kingdom? The disciples couldn't believe what they were hearing, but Jesus kept on. You can't imagine how difficult. I'd say it's easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for the rich to get into God's kingdom. That set the disciples back on their heels. Then who has any chance at all, they asked. Jesus was blunt. No chance at all if you think you can pull it off by yourself. Every chance in the world if you let God do it. Peter tried another angle. We left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Mark my words, no one who sacrifices house, brothers, sisters, mother, father, children, land, whatever, because of me and the message will lose out. They'll get it all back, but multiplied many times in homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and land, but also in troubles. And then the bonus of eternal life. This is once again the great reversal. Many who are first will end up last, and the last will end up first. My husband, Chris, runs. 
He's looking here. <laughs> in fact, he'd probably describe himself as a runner. He uh, runs in marathons. He, he trains for other kinds of races. He, and he's training this fall for the first time for, to run a 50-mile race in November. Now, I will tell you honestly, I don't get this. <laughs> I am not a runner. In fact, I am not even hardly a walker compared to some people. I, I don't understand the attraction of going out for hours at a time and, and getting really hot and sweaty and exhausted and, and coming home and having, having to ice because you're in so much pain. I don't like pain. <laughs> I don't even really like discomfort, you know, and I'm not, you know, I don't really want to put myself through that. So I really find that difficult to, to understand. Now, you're with me on that. None of us likes pain, and we'll avoid it if we can, and we don't even really like to be uncomfortable or insecure, do we? No, of course not. We don't like it physically, and we don't like it spiritually very much either. But pain I'm sure medical people would tell you pain is actually necessary. Pain is necessary for us for our health. Some of you may have known somebody who um, at some point has actually had not been able to feel pain. Like if, so in, 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 if you're diabetic and stuff, one of the dangers is that you might end up not being able to feel, especially like in your feet and, and your toes and things. And if you start having that neuropathy, that's dangerous. And one of the biggest dangers of leprosy was that you know leprosy will attack the extremities and when people would get leprosy they'd hurt themselves because they couldn't feel any pain they'd hurt themselves and end up getting infected and stuff from getting cuts and and things because they'd hit themselves on things and couldn't feel pain pain is necessary for us for our health and not just for our physical health but for our spiritual health as well sometimes what's good for the soul is going to hurt <laughs> I like, you know, so that, that, I like it talked about, you know, God's word is like a scalpel sometimes. It's going to hurt sometimes to come into contact with what's good for our souls. Every great religion has some way for us to do soul searching. Every great religion. You know, in Judaism, um, they have still the high holy day of Yom Kippur, the day of atonement. When you go and, and you reflect on your year and everything, all your faults and failings and sins, you lay those before God. And you make amends and you walk away from it cleansed. And in the days of the temple, that was one of the great gatherings. But even all during the year, there was other times to make offerings for sin. There was a way to deal with this, with your soul searching, and to offer yourself back to God, to start new again. In Islam, there's the whole month of Ramadan, which is a chance to be purified and cleansed and so on. And in Christianity for centuries, you know, we've had all kinds of different things. There's confession and penance. There is examinations of conscience. There are ways of unburdening ourselves of our sins. And, and these aren't, and these a lot of times you notice it's very interesting, are attached to some physical counterpart, you know, some, some way that you, you deprive yourself. You either, you know, it's, you're quiet or you're in fasting or you somehow kind of cut yourself off from the world so that you can go through this process of soul searching and laying it all out before God and making amends and starting again. And this isn't about keeping people, you know, compliant through guilt and fear, although it can be abused that way, I know that. And we can abuse it, too. We can use these kind of things to, to beat ourselves up. But that's not what this is meant to be. This soul-searching, although it hurts, 
is actually meant to help us, to heal us, to wash us clean, to let us start new again, to open us up to God's grace. I mean, what good is grace unless we've come face to face with our need for it? What good is God's healing power unless we've been able to admit we're sick in the first place? Now, I love it. The book of Hebrews talks about Jesus as the great high priest. The great, the high priest, as if you look in that little meanings behind the message, the high priest's job on the Day of Atonement was to go into the Holy of Holies, you know, behind the veil, which is where God actually was. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was. And went in there with the blood of the offering and made that offering for his sin and for the whole nation, the whole nation's sins on that high holy day. And, and this, was, this was a huge thing. In fact, it was, it was considered dangerous what he did to go into that Holy of Holies because anything sinful that comes into contact with God runs the risk of being zapped. So he'd go into the Holy of Holies. I remember hearing one time they tie a rope around his, his ankle. So in case he was overcome while he was in there meeting God, he could be pulled back out again without somebody having to go in after him. That's how, it's, that's how awesome it was. But we have this high priest who has torn that veil aside by his very life, Jesus, and made one offering that is effective for all of our sins. And that's, that's one of the things that makes him great. But the other thing that makes him great is that he understands our weaknesses, understands because he's been through the same temptations and, 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 and the things that we have to deal with. And that's good for two different reasons. One, because he can sympathize. He, he, he can feel what we're going through and has felt it. And we have that sense of, you know how it is when you're going through something hard and somebody comes up and says, I understand, and you know they really don't. You just find it irritating. But, you know, with Jesus, we under, he understands, and you get that sense that makes you feel better because he understands our suffering. And the other good reason that he, for him to have experienced our weaknesses is that he, he just knows us. He looks at us and knows us. Here's the, here's the thing, guys. You cannot hide anything from God. There's no faking it. You can't say, you know, God, I'm without sin. That's, that's just not going to work with God. You might be able to pull the wool over people's eyes, but you can never do that with God. Jesus has this kind of like x-ray vision that goes right down deep into our souls. And that's how the story in, it goes in Mark, that Jesus, when he meets this rich young man, he looks, I like Eugene Peterson's, he looks him hard in the eye. Looks him hard in the eye. But you get the sense that, you know, Jesus uses his x-ray vision and he can see right into this young man and he knows him and loves him. He loves him. And he, he knows exactly what this man needs. He doesn't say to him, oh, you're such a good guy. You know, I'll just... I'll give you a free ticket to heaven because you're so good. You know, I just really love you. And, and, and you really have been a very nice guy all along. No, no. He knows that this man needs something more. It's out of love that he says to him, sell all your possessions and give it away to the poor. It's because he can see that what this young man has is actually burdening him, getting in the way of his relationship with God. So he says, get rid of it. Get rid of all of it and come follow me. And this is not a happy ending story. This is a sad story. Because he couldn't do it. We know that. And he walked away. I love how Jenny kind of, Jenny kind of said, well, we don't know what happened to him afterwards. She really wants him to have changed his mind afterwards, you know, and come back. But we don't know that. As far as we know, he never did come back. He walked away from Jesus at that point. And I, I think that's really sad. 
That's very sad. But think of how many times in your life, not in a big way like this, but in some way you have you, you've resisted doing something you know is going to make you healthier or better because it's going to be uncomfortable, because it's going to require change, because it's going to require you coming face-to-face -face with your own weaknesses. We resist it all the time. We walk away all the time from things that will make us better both physically and spiritually because we just don't want to do it. And we walk away. But if any hurt is a good hurt, soul-searching is a good one. Let me tell you about some of the reasons why it's a good thing to face this pain and this discomfort. First of all, like physical pain, get in touch with that pain that's in your soul because it will tell you where you're sick. You know, if you get right down deep inside you and you find the places where you're guilty and you know you've fallen short, you see the places where, where you're sick. Just like physical pain tells us where we're hurting, where something is wrong. Just face that pain straight on. And then like physical, like it, it's one of those hurting that heals, like having surgery. Uh, that's why it was so wonderful that Peterson, you know, uses that scalpel image. You know, that's going to hurt to have surgery sometimes. We hate to face it. And how many, you know, people we know have put off surgeries because ah, it's going to be bad. I'm going to have to recover, you know, things like that. But you're going to be better afterwards. So that's another reason to do that soul searching. Allow that pain to show you where you're sick. And then allow the pain of, of God changing your life like a surgeon's scalpel. And it's a hurt also, if we do some serious soul searching, it's a hurt that can make us humble, that can give us compassion. If we've come face to face with our own addictions and our, our own greed and our own sins, maybe we're going to be a little bit more compassionate and less likely to judge somebody else who falls short. It's also a hurt that, that opens the door. And when, when you do soul searching and, and you come in touch with you know, your own shortcomings, you realize how much you need God. We need that hurt to, to get us in touch with our need for God. And finally, sometimes what hurts can actually help others. Our hurt can help others. If that rich young man, I want you to think about it, if that rich young man that Jesus met, if he had actually done what Jesus said, I mean, not only would it have been good for him, but think about it. If he'd sold all he had and given away all his money to the poor, and it said he had a lot, then some widow would have eaten. Some child might have been saved from an illness. Some man might have been able to exchange rags for a cloak. What if that rich young man had done that? Other people would have been helped. But he couldn't do it. You get a double good. There's a lot of reasons to go through that hurt of the soul-searching. Today we're kicking off our stewardship campaign. So for the next month, I'm going to be not only in the sermons, but you'll see like before the offering time, we're going to be talking about some of these things, you know, coming face to face with, with you know, stewardship and what that means. And soul searching, I think, is a good starting point for the stewardship campaign. Our, our theme this year is serving in love. The first part of our mission statement is living in Christ. And sometimes when you live in Christ and you spend time with Jesus, you have to do some of the soul searching. And then your response is to serve in love, to respond with, with giving away of, of yourself, your money, your time, your, your gifts of love. And so that's our focus for this whole campaign is this, you know, serve, we live in Christ, but let's take that next step and do the serving in love.
A mailing is going to go out tomorrow, and it will ask for your pledge, your financial pledge, but it also is going to include in it information about Project 2010, which is a, a congregation-wide service project for next year. So, but this is the first step here today. Look and see, you know, where we need God. When I was a child, uh, when I came down with the measles, I can still remember this, I hid from my mother for that first day I had measles. I didn't want her to know I was sick. I don't know if, I, you know, looking back on it, I'm not sure if I didn't want to go to the doctor or I didn't want to take medicine or have to get a shot or something. I was afraid, you know, of getting hurt or being uncomfortable in some way. So I hid from her that I had the measles. For about 24 hours, I think I got away from it, like, it, you know, dressed underneath the bunk bed or did something like that. I remember doing that. But I was, I was sick. I was sick. And I needed my mother's mercy and love and care in that sickness. And once I finally admitted I was sick, I got the care that I needed. I love how that, that passage ended. You know, in Peterson's it said, you know, accept the mercy, take the help. Accept the mercy, take the help. Receive the grace, and then it can be given away again. You can give yourself away. Amen.